Hey, good morning, church family. How you doing today? Come on, who's glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning besides me? Come on, who's grateful that the storms that you've gone through, you were never forsaken. He was right there with you, seeing you through, leading you through to the other side. He's worthy of our praise. Come on. You can be seated today. If you have your Bible with you, turn to 2 Samuel chapter 17. And just be patient. We'll get there here in a few moments. And, you know, I, uh, it's, it's great to be back with you guys, our second week back from sabbatical. And I uh, enjoyed listening back to the messages that were preached while we were out. And every one of them was dynamic and powerful. Just so thankful for the team that God has put together here and the staff and the way that they continue to just preach the word of God with clarity and conviction. And so every message was awesome, but I was really compelled to just kind of pick up where Pastor Eddie left off in the Realms series and continue to speak about the spiritual battles that we're up against, because you got to understand something. We live in the natural realm, an earthly realm, but there's a spiritual battle over our lives. There's a spiritual battle over our nation. There's a spiritual battle that's being waged over your heart. There's a spiritual battle being waged over your children. There's a spiritual battle over your marriage. And so we, as the people of God, come on, we are the people of God. We are Jesus followers more than church members. We have to understand that while there's some battles that we're up against, we fight differently. Last week, I, I uh, pro- preached a message called Don't Fight Fair. And this was the big idea that that as the people of God, we don't have to fight fair. The battle is already won. The victory is Jesus. We we don't fight for victory, we fight from victory. But we have to engage in the battle. And how many of you know that there really are some battles being waged in our culture? I mean, all kinds of things. It doesn't matter what channel you you tune into, it doesn't matter where where you look, spiritual battles being fought. And unfortunately, what we see is a lot of those battles being fought by earthly means. People taking the battle into their own hands, fighting it with earthly means. And the Bible says it's very clear that our battle is not against people and we don't fight with the weapons of the world. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13 says, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power, not our own strength or our own ability to fight. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Catch this, verse 12, reading on. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Your battle is not against a person. It's not against a political party. Your battle is not against your boss. It's not against your spouse. Your battle is not against people. We do not battle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There's that word. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Come on, look at someone that you're sitting next to today and just say, stand your ground, stand your ground, stand firm, stand fast, stand strong, not in your own strength, but in the armor of God. All around us, we see people trying to fight spiritual battles with earthly efforts. The Bible says we're called to fight differently. And listen, now, I mean, more than ever, people of God, hear me, we must be ready to fight according to the way God's made us, called us to fight. There are weapons of our warfare. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 10, though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world, but on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. All around us, we see battles being waged. There's a spiritual battle. 
but the enemy is trying to cause us to fight against one another. The enemy is causing us to try to fight against the people, try to fight against a group of people or fight against a political person or a party. There's a battle that's being waged and we do not fight according to the ways of the world. We don't have to fight fair because the Bible says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory how through our Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, that's good news. That is good news. You need to understand today that I am preaching to a room full of people who are victorious, not because of your own might, your own strength, your own smarts, your own intellect. You haven't got it all figured out. You are victorious because of the victory of Jesus Christ. Purchased for you, won for you at the cross of Calvary and through his risen life. You are victorious. You're victorious. And I shared this illustration last week, but It just bears repeating because it spoke to me so clearly and profoundly. As I was listening to these messages that Pastor Eddie was preaching about how to win this battle in the heavenly realm, and we were on sabbatical, we were watching some movies with our kids, and one of the movies we watched was The Lion King. And you remember that scene where little Simba the lion cub is surrounded by the pack of hyenas who are threatening to pounce and devour him. And he summons in his little lion cub strength just one little roar It's a little meek, feeble roar. And just as he roars, the hyenas begin to scatter in fear. And what Simba didn't realize is that Mufasa, the the big daddy lion, the, the king of the jungle, was standing behind him simultaneously roaring with his roar. Sometimes that's all you and I need to do. It's some of the strength. Maybe you don't know the Bible. You're, you're, you're just growing in God. You're new to the faith. Just begin to discover, discover your voice in such a way that in just some way, somehow, just like little baby Simba the Lion Cub, you can begin to activate your voice and, and just begin to declare the victory of Jesus over your life and know that when you do, the Lion of Judah is standing behind you, roaring with all the fierceness of his might, enforcing the victory that will stand forever for all eternity. Someone ought to say, Amen. I almost tried to say too much right there. <laughs> Ooh, come on, say breathe, Pastor T. You got to breathe. <sighs> We're called to fight differently. I'm just telling you, we, we, we got to be reminded of this. I, I, I mean, they're, they're <laughs> I, I just, I'm not sure that there's going to be a day in the coming weeks or months that we're ever going to turn on the TV and just be like, oh, everything is back to peace and calm and normality. I think the enemy sees. He's, he's, he's made some ground. He's deepened divides. He's created division. But here's what I believe is that if the church of Jesus Christ, come on, that's you and that's me. That's not a building. That's not a 501c3 organization. That's the people of God who are called by his name. If we'll get back into our place of victory and authority and begin to war and to battle and to pray and to hit our knees and to serve the least of these and to take the message of the gospel into our workplaces, into our communities, into those arenas and atmospheres where even the world is saying, don't bring that into here. If we'll begin to do that, I believe that we can still see a nation saved, a city saved, families saved, marriages restored, young people coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ, discovering a life of significance and purpose like they never thought they could have. If the people of God who are called by his name will fight the way we're supposed to fight with the weapons of God's warfare, not of this earth. Did I have you turn to 2 Samuel 17? 2 Samuel 17, before we dig into it, let's pray. Let's ask God. I'll pray over us corporately, but come on, right where you are, man of God, woman of God, would you pray? Would you ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you? 
Would you ask the Lord to remind you of some things? Would you ask God to reveal some things to you today that will help you to do what we've already established is the heart of God, that you can stand firm and stand strong even in the midst of the battle, even in the midst of the storm because of the victory of Jesus. Father, that's my prayer for this precious group of people today. Every man, every woman, every young person, God, would you show yourself strong today? Would you speak clearly, God, to our hearts and to our minds, Lord? Would you do what I just spoke, Lord? I pray that now, Lord. Would you remind us of some things from your word today? Would you reveal some things, maybe in a deeper or a renewed way, Lord, that we can stand upon today, God? And Lord, we do. We lift up our nation We lift up our culture, Lord. We thank you that it is not too far lost that it cannot be saved, that your arm is not too short that you cannot save, Lord. Lawrence, Kansas can be saved and redeemed, God. The United States of America can still still experience a revival, Lord, and a returning to you, God. We thank you for it, Father. And I pray, Lord, over every person, Lord, that's here today, anyone who might be weak or weary or discouraged in any way, shape, or form, Lord, physically, spiritually, emotionally, relationally. God, we invite you to come in, God. Speak through my words today. Speak through your written word today and do what only you can do, God. Bring healing, bring life, bring freedom, bring restoration to people, Lord. Marriages, families, Lord, hearts and homes, Lord, restored by the power of the Holy Spirit today, God, and the love of the Father in Jesus' name, in Jesus' mighty name. And come on, all of God's precious people said, amen, amen, amen. Second Samuel 17. And let me set the stage for you. This is one of the most unfortunate, painful chapters in all of the Bible. And that's saying something because the Bible does not shy away from broken humanity. I appreciate that about God's word. It doesn't shy away from the struggles and the failures of the people of God. Real people who made real mistakes, had real challenges, real problems, real failures, real shortcomings but who at some point in their life discovered, became broken enough to realize that they had to turn those real problems and challenges and failures and shortcomings over to a real God who offers real forgiveness and real hope for their future and real redemption and restoration. And he'll do the same for you today. This is a painful, difficult story. Amnon, one of David's sons, has violated Tamar, David is too busy going about his business. He hasn't done anything about it, and Absalom has grown bitter. Absalom has grown bitter towards David, and he's gathering people against David, and he's developing plans for a coup to overthrow David and to take the kingship for himself, and that's where we pick up the story in 2 Kings or 2 Samuel chapter 17. And it says, now Ahithophel, which, who was a man who Absalom was turning to for, divi- for advice. And it says, I urged Absalom, let me choose 12,000 men to start out after David tonight. I will catch up with him while he is weary and discouraged and make him afraid. And all the people who are with him will flee. And then I will strike only the king. Now listen, this is practical advice. These are battle plans that are being recommended and proposed to Absalom. But today, what I believe we can find is that there's a demonic pattern, that there's a pattern within this practical advice that that is being presented to Absalom that the enemy still uses to try to take you and I out of our rightful position of authority and kingship in Jesus. And here's the thing. This is not a a devil-glorifying message, but it is a devil-exposing message. 
And how many know good coaches for good sports teams, they scout their opponents. They scout their adversaries. They learn and they look into the tendencies and the game plans so that in a moment, in a critical moment, in a critical juncture of the game, there's an idea, there's an understanding of the play that the enemy, the adversary, the opposition is most likely to call. And I'm just telling you today that that's my heart through this message is that maybe God begins to show you some of the things and some of the ways that the enemy has tripped you up in your faith and tripped you up in your marriage and caused you to stumble away from your faith or caused you to get caught up in things that that weren't God's best for you and your life. A demonic pattern, a demonic strategy that the enemy is still using to try to take us out and keep us down. The first thing that we see is right there at the beginning, he urged Absalom to choose 12,000 men to start after David. Really? They're after one guy and it's going to take 12,000 people. And here's what I understand the enemy will often do to you and to me. He'll cause us to try to feel overwhelmed and outmatched, outnumbered. Everything is going against me and everyone is against me. And listen, in this season, how many of you have felt that? The struggle is real. I mean, just all kinds of weights and responsibilities, things that you have to do in addition to the things you already had to do. And it's easy to find yourself in that place where you just feel overwhelmed. How can I do it, God? How can I do it? 12,000 people to take out one man. But let me encourage you with something. We find the, this in 2 Kings chapter 6. Did you, you remember what the, the Bible says about Satan when he fell from heaven, that a third of the angels fell with him, right? You know, let me encourage you with something. That means that for every one that is against you, there are two that remain for you. Maybe those who are fighting with you and for you are greater than those who are fighting against you. And that's where we find 2 Kings 6, 15 through 17, this powerful passage where Elisha helps his servant to see what's really going on. And in verse 15, it says, when the servant of the man of God, speaking of Elisha, got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. How many of you maybe have felt like you've been surrounded on all sides? Where do I turn? And he says, oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. And by the way, right there, I just felt compelled to just remind you and encourage you with something. And that's it. God's not afraid of difficult questions. God's not afraid of the difficult questions that you might have. Lord, why did that family member have to die at a young age? Lord, why did it go the way that it went instead of the way that I thought that it was going to go? He is not afraid of difficult questions. His ways are higher than our ways. He sees in a realm that we don't necessarily see into all the time. He sees the the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. One day is like a thousand years to him. He sees differently. He's not afraid of your difficult questions, especially if you'll present it in a way that really desires to hear what he's doing, why he's doing it in your life. He says, oh, no, Lord, what shall we do? We're surrounded on all sides. And watch what Elisha says. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And I'm sure the servant is saying, really, Elisha? Did you you see what I have seen? And watch what Elisha does. He says, I prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. 
Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes. He looked around and saw the hills full of God's horses and God's chariots of fire all around Elisha. Listen, I'm telling you, if your spiritual eyes could be open today, you might discover that there are more who are standing and waiting in the wings to fight on your behalf than there are those who are fighting against you. But the enemy will try to bring that sense that you're overwhelmed and outmatched. There are more. Come on, there's a church family. There's a church family that's, that's waiting to fight with you. There's, a, there's an army of heavenly hosts who are waiting to be dispatched into the battle. There, there's, there are more who are with you than those who are against you. Number two, he'll attack you in the dark. He said, I would get 12,000 men, and he said, I would set out tonight. And listen, I just want to encourage you with something. When you get real with God, when you bring the struggles of your heart, your doubts, your fears, your failures, your misgivings, your missteps, when you bring those things out of the dark into the light is not when God finds out about them. Nothing is hidden from his sight. When we get real, when we bring those things out of the dark into the light, it's not when he finds out about it, it's when we begin to discover the access to the anointing to be set free of those things. The enemy is always operating and trafficking in the dark, saying, you better not get real. You better not let them see. You better not let them know. And sin is always uglier in the dark. And it's why the Bible says that we are children of the day. And we've been rescued from the kingdom of darkness into a kingdom of? The enemy always tries to operate in the dark, to keep you blinded, to keep you fearful, to keep you anxious about what's out there on the other side that you might not be able to see. When you sense that happening, say, Lord, I just want you to come and bring light. There's, there's a spirit of confusion. There's a spirit of fear. There's a spirit of anxiety. Lord, would you come and would you shine light upon this? Because your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. A lamp unto my feet. Your word can light up right where I stand today in this difficult, painful moment, confusion, doubt, fear. Where do I go? Where do I turn? Your word is the lamp to that spot, and it's also the light to the path that you have before me. Don't allow the enemy to keep you suffering in silence or suffering in the dark. Number three, he'll isolate you and disconnect you from God's people. And it says in that scripture, it says, then all the people who are with him, King David, will flee from him. Listen, there's a full-scale attack underway in our culture to divide us. Isn't it amazing how many issues it seems like we're polarized on? 50-50, 49-51. I mean, so many things. Politics, the, the, the pandemic, the masks. Should we wear, do they work? Don't they work? Should we wear them? Shouldn't we wear them? I mean, at, at every turn you look, there's some sort of a, of a topic or some sort of, a, of an issue that the enemy is trying to use to divide us. And listen, I'm telling you, as the people of God, as the people of God, we've got to predetermine and predecide that we will allow ourselves to be diverse, diverse in some things, but unified around the thing that really matters, and that's the cross of Jesus Christ and the proclaiming of the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus Christ. That that's the thing, the shed blood of Jesus and his risen life that unifies us beyond politics, beyond disagreements. Come on, there's some things that we should engage in, but overall, we've got to remain unified around the central cause for which the church was established, and that's the preaching and proclaiming of Jesus, that the lost can be found through him and him only. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. Not a political party, not a politician, not a, not a strategy. 
all kinds of things. <laughs> you know, I, I, I read an article, or at least saw the headline and kind of glossed through the first few paragraphs of it the other day. It said, when vaccine is developed, 50% of Americans say, I will not take it. And I thought, oh, goodness. I mean, even when the vaccine gets here, there's going to be another debate, another conflict. Another... And listen, I understand there's science, there's opinions, there's preferences, there's whatever about it. But what I took away from it is that yet another issue that potentially is going to divide marriages, divide homes, divide families about should we or should we not. And I'm just telling you, we have to recognize that the enemy is the accuser of the brethren. Recognize that he understands that when we are unified, we are stronger, we are better together. And if he can cause us to begin to flee from relationships and, 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 and buy into these divisions, that's the only way that he can win. But if we'll stand firm, come on, I mean, maybe we have to agree to disagree about some things that in the light of eternity will end up being trivial so that we can agree and unify around the thing that will stand for eternity, and that's the preaching of Jesus Christ. He'll try to overwhelm you. He'll try to attack you in the dark. He'll try to get you to flee or cause those who are around you to flee, to divide you and isolate you where the enemy of your soul who goes around seeking whom he may devour like a roaring lion can see that you're isolated from the church. You're isolated from the herd. You're isolated from the pack. Come on, stay together with the people of God. Number four, he'll attack your mind with fear. It says in that passage, I would strike him with terror. Listen, fear and faith are interrelated. They're like cousins. Fear is the expectation of what could happen in your life, what could happen in your health, what could happen in your finances, what could happen in your career if God does not show up. Faith is the expectation of what will happen when God shows up because he's faithful to do so. His timing might be different. His methodology might be different. But come on, you cannot allow fear to begin dictating your relationships. Every decision that I've ever made out of fear has ended in failure. And God calls us to live by faith. There's no coincidence that one of the most common and frequent commands of the Bible is be strong and be courageous because God knows that if the enemy can begin to cause you to shrink back or hold back in fear, come on, fear of failure, fear of what others might think, fear of stepping out, fear of speaking out. Every decision, I mean, I just tell, I know it's a strong statement. Every decision, if I think back to all the decisions that I've been blessed to give the, given the opportunity to make, every decision I've ever made that was rooted in fear has always been doomed to fail. But every decision that's made in faith, even if it is contrary to common sense, even if it doesn't make sense according to our checkbook or our mindset or whatever, every decision that I've made in faith because God has spoken and God has called us to, he's always seen us through. You cannot afford to allow fear to cause you to shrink back or hold back. Number five, last one, and this is the last point, and the worship team can go ahead and begin to make their way up to take their positions. And the fifth one is, he'll attack you when you're tired, weak, weary, or discouraged. It says it right there, I would attack him when he is weary or discouraged. And listen, you might think or you might hope that the enemy, when he sees that you've had a tough season, a difficult season, a long go of it, that he might kind of go easy on you and maybe go look for someone else to pick on. But I'm telling you, he's ruthless. And that's the very moment when you're weak or tired physically, when you're weak or tired spiritually, when you're dry spiritually, that's the very moment that he'll come in 
and he'll introduce that temptation. That's the very moment, come on, that sin that's been crouching at the door will come knocking on your door. That moment when you're weak or weary or discouraged, it's exactly what Absalom has given the instructions to do here. Find him when he's weak. Find him when he's tired. Find him when he's weary. Find him when he's a little bit discouraged. That's the moment of opportunity to sneak in and take him down, and the same is true for you and me. But God's heart is that we would stand strong. Stand strong. And you know, I, I was ask, asking the Lord, I mean, when the Lord starts to speak to these things, I, I just get with him and I say, Lord, what, how would I encourage the people of God? And he reminded me of what his word says is spiritual strength and it's joy. In Nehemiah chapter eight. It says, don't be dejected or sad for the joy, what, of the Lord is your strength. Not the happiness that's associated to trivial or temporary circumstances or situations, not the happiness that's associated with your bank account or the promotion, not the happiness. Those things are circumstantial and often fleeting, but he says there's a joy that can be spiritual strength. It's joy that's not fabricated or affected by how things are going on around you, not by how things go, but based on who you know. It's the joy of the Lord. And I'm just telling you, maybe things are going against you. Maybe things went the other way, but I'm telling you right now, there's one thing that will always be true, and that's the joy that can come from knowing that you mattered enough to God that he sent his only son to pay the price for every part of your sin, guilt, shame, condemnation, your past, all washed away, washed clean because he loved you so much. That's unshakable, immutable, unchangeable. It doesn't matter how things are going for you in the natural. That's the one thing that you can always say, Lord, thank you for the joy that I have because Jesus loved me so much. He came and rescued me, saved me, restored me back to a relationship with my heavenly father in, not because of me but in spite of me that's the joy of the lord the psalmist said restore unto me the joy of my salvation the deeper the source of your joy is the less likely it is to be able to be stolen or taken from you but where, where's the source of your joy and are you connected to a supernatural joy that transcends the happiness that the earth is after, that the world is after. We fight differently. We war differently. There's a strength that God intends to impart to his people. It's found in the joy of the Lord. And it says, attack him when he's discouraged. And so I quickly, I started to just search on scriptures about encouragement. Listen, that's a good thing that we should. Hebrews 10, 25 says to not forsake gathering together as the people of God, but gather together, encouraging one another and all the more as the day of the Lord draws near. And that's where I, how many of you know every day we're a day nearer to that day. Praise the Lord. Come on, come Lord Jesus. But I started looking into encouragement and then the Lord just paused me and he said, you know what? That's not what I want you to encourage them with to overcome discouragement. I said, all right, Lord, what is it? He reminded me in my own life. He said, I wanna encourage you to talk with them about gratitude, about gratitude and, and how gratitude, how giving thanks, how being reminded about the things that God already has done and, and, has, and, and, and has delivered you from and, and all the blessings that you do have in spite of some of the things that maybe have yet to materialize that maybe more than anything, gratitude insulates us from the schemes of discouragement, depression, and despair. Because the enemy is always trying to keep you focused on, come on, what God has yet to do, what God hasn't done, the way God didn't come through. When the reality is, maybe if you took a moment and just took stock and inventory of your life, there's more that you have to be grateful for than you have to be disappointed about. I'm just telling you, gratitude, gratitude. There was a 
a joke that I heard recently that speaks to this. And there was a man who went to the doctor and he said, doc, I'm really concerned. He said, I'm really concerned. He said, everything hurts. My knees, my feet, my arms, my head. I mean, everything, everything is hurting, doc. The doc said, well, all right. Um, he said, show me, show me, you know. And so the man started saying, oh, and he, everywhere he touched, he just excruciating pain. He said, oh, see doc, everywhere is hurting. Everywhere is hurting. And the doctor was thinking, wow, this is interesting. I haven't seen this before. And finally, the doctor realized what was going on. He said, sir, let me see your hand. And the man reached out his hand and the doctor began to inspect his hand. And he said, sir, I think you have a broken finger. <laughs> everywhere you touch hurts. But the problem is not that everything is wrong. The problem is that there's this one place in your life that's painful and it's causing you to think that everything in your life is going wrong, but really there's more that's going right than's going wrong in your life. Gratitude. Lord, I'm, I'm thankful. Oh, I'm thankful. Thankful for this church family. Man, you guys are awesome. I'm thankful for the job that I have. I'm thankful for the resources I have. I'm thankful for the breath that I have right now. I'm thankful to be able to be gathered in this place. And with those of you who are joining us online, Come on, we used to have to point to China or the 1040 window or somewhere where people weren't allowed to gather in his name. Now we're, we've experienced that ourselves, the inability to gather in the house of God with the people of God in the presence of God. I'm grateful to be able to be here today. I'm grateful for the car that I do have. Come on, your car might have a few little things that are wrong with it or whatever, but just start to give thanks for what God has already done and just watch how it protects you from the scheme of discouragement. And come on, this is important because you can, you can afford to be discouraged, but you cannot, hear me people of God, you cannot afford to stay discouraged. Because the enemy understands that what might start out as just kind of a minor discouragement, if it's not checked, if it's not dealt with, can begin to swell from discouragement to depression. And then depression, if it's not dealt with, if it's not, if it's not, if it's not presented before God, if you don't get help, it can begin to swell to become despair. And that's where the enemy has you teetering on, man, or am I gonna be able to make it through? You gotta learn how to deal with discouragement. We deal with the opposite spirit, the opposite spirit. The opposite spirit, Romans 12, 21 says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The sinful nature wants to do evil, but which is just the opposite, rather, of what the Spirit wants to do. So Lord, I thank you that you would help us to begin to recognize when this, this scheme, this enemy is coming against us to try to cause us to feel overwhelmed. In fact, right, would you go, go ahead and just stand up, people of God, and prepare to respond to God. Let's just, as I lead us through this recap, maybe it's a good way to just kind of allow you to recognize maybe the one or two of these things that resonated the most with you. The season that you're in, where maybe you feel overwhelmed and outnumbered and sense that everything is going against you. Lord, I pray in that season, Lord, where we're feeling out overwhelmed, overwhelmed. Lord, would you remind us that greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. Just as Elisha prayed, Lord, would you allow us to see with spiritual eyes? But there might be, there is a battle. There are adversaries, there are enemies, but, but there are heavenly hosts, there are angels, there are, there, there are there's a God who cares, who, who, who knows, who sees, and is ready to spring into action if we'll just turn to you. And Lord, I pray that those who are here today who are weak and weary, God, I pray that you would bring rest. The, the word of God says, come to me, come to me, all who are weary, all who are heavy laden, overwhelmed, 
weak and weary physically, spiritually, emotionally, relationally. And, and come on, can I just tell you, this is a season where I believe there are many of us who might feel like we're in that place today. Come to me. Come to me. Everyone, everyone, anyone, that's you, that's me, who's weak, who's weary. And he said, I'll give you real rest. I'll give you real rest. Even before everything starts to shift in your life, I'll, I'll, bring, I'll bring calm to the storm in your soul. I, I, I'll give you a peace that's so deep within your heart that it can't be easily stolen or taken from you by circumstances or by people who are, who are lashing out or speaking up or, I, 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 come to me. He says, come to me. Come to me, I'll give you real rest. Come to me in the, in the midst of the, the, the doubt, in the midst of not knowing what's next for you in your career, in the midst of not knowing what's next for your family, in the midst of, 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 of praying and, and, and seeking for the Lord to lead those lost loved ones back to the Lord. Come on, come to me, he says, come to me. Come to me, I'll give you real rest. Where, where has your source of rest been? Where's your source of peace been? Right now, maybe the Lord's just highlighting or identifying things you've been turned to or people you've been turning to. Right now, the Lord is just saying, I'm calling you back to me, I'm calling you back to me. The peace that you found in those places or in those things, is, it's, it's temporal, it's fleeting, but come back to me, come back to me. I'll give you real rest, rest for, our, rest for your soul. Thank you, Lord. Lord, for anyone who's felt isolated, God, who has maybe fled themselves or felt like everyone's abandoned them, God, I pray that today what your word says would be found to be true in our lives, Lord. The, your word says you place the lonely in families. And I pray, God, that you would restore, God, relationship, Lord, to your people. Lord, whatever it is, Lord, the, the lies, the deceptions, the previous fears or hurts or pains, maybe they were hurt in church, God, or hurt by a, a marriage that didn't go the right way, Lord, would you, would you restore, Lord, the ability to love again and connect again, unite together with the people of God? find that place of significance and purpose and relationship, God. Lord, anyone who's discouraged today, Lord, I, I pray that you would come and you would just remind them how much you love them. I pray, God, that you would begin to just speak, remind them of all the things, the small things. Maybe you gotta go, maybe you gotta really think about just some of the, the things that might seem trivial or things you might normally take for granted and just say, Lord, thank you. Wow, there's more that I have to be thankful for than I have to be worried about today. You've been so good. You've been so faithful. Here, I, I, they said that it was going to take me out, but here we are standing. Here we are as a couple standing in church worshiping Jesus together. They said that health crisis was going to take me out. Here I am standing there. Here I am at home worshiping God. I've got a lot to be thankful for and right now. In fact, I just feel like that's a good place to begin to close and shift into worship. Would you begin to just give the Lord thanks for something in your life? Maybe under your breath is fine, but maybe you wanna just find some of the strength to begin to speak it out in faith. Just say, Lord, thank you for my wife. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my job. It's challenging, but Lord, I thank you for it. There's a lot of people in this season who maybe don't have one anymore. Thank you, Lord, for the breath that's in my lungs. Thank you, Lord, for the friends that I do have, God. Thank you, Lord, for the family that I do have, God. Thank you, Lord, for my home. Thank you, Lord, for my vehicle. Thank you, Lord, that I'm gonna go after this and you're gonna provide for my 
for me to eat. And I mean, just, just begin to give God thanks. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're our source, Lord. You are our source. And lastly, before we worship, if you're here today or maybe you're joining us online and you're far from God, listen, if that's you, if that's you, we believe with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our strength that you are not here by accident. You're here. You're hearing this message. You're hearing this altar call because there's a good heavenly father who loves you too much to leave you where you are today. He loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. He's calling you back home. He's calling you out of the darkness. He's calling you out of the isolation. He's calling you home. Maybe you've been running. You've, you've been the one who's been fleeing like the prodigal son or the prodigal daughter. And today he's calling you back home into his loving arms and he's waiting to run to you and wrap his arms around you and welcome you back home into a relationship with him. And listen, if that's you, or maybe you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, right now, just raise your hand. What's most important is what's happening in your heart. But right now is an outward sign of what he's doing in your heart. Just lift your hand high towards heaven and say, that's me, Lord, I'm calling you. I'm calling upon you. I'm looking to you. I'm, I'm, I'm confessing my sin. I'm asking you to come and make me new and make me whole. In Jesus' mighty name, come on right now, lift your hands towards heaven. And thank you, Lord, for these precious people who are in this place, God, who are responding, who are coming home to you. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in their heart. Thank you that today is the day of salvation, a new start, a fresh start. I mean, I'm telling you, I open my eyes from praying. There's hands up all over this room. Precious people, amazing men and women of God who are due for a new season. I mean, come on, just watch what God's about to do in you. Washing you clean, making you whole. Come on, he, he was there with you all throughout the mess and the pain and the turmoil and the struggle and the strife. But today's a new day, a fresh start. And listen to those who are in this room who raised their hand or those who maybe did so online. We're, gonna, we're about to pray this prayer with you. And we do this by design. Every week we do this. And we do it for two reasons. One is because it allows us to quickly just affirm to you. I mean, come on, you precious people who are responding to Jesus. There's a church family who's ready to come alongside you to encourage you and, and, and strengthen you and, and cheer you on as you begin a fresh season of living by faith in Jesus Christ. And two, we do it, we pray this together because it reminds us, it reminds us that even as we are maturing in our faith, growing in our faith, that we never graduate from grace. Come on, we still need Jesus as much today as we ever have. And so come on, many precious hands went in the air today. And I trust that many more online, it's amazing how people are tuning in to worship with us from all over the world, literally all over the world, multiple continents, people tuning in and worshiping with us. And so can we pray this prayer with those in this room and those who responded to Jesus online? Come on, pray it with everything you've got. Pray it with some fresh passion today. Father, in Jesus' name, come on church, I recognize my need for a savior. And I thank you for sending Jesus Pay the price that I could not pay. To make a way, I might have a new life and a fresh start. I give you that life. I give you my trust. And because of Jesus, because of the cross of Jesus, I'll never be the same. Come on, say it again. I'll never be the same. And then put your hands together and lift up a shout of praise. Rejoice with all of heaven for the precious people who came home to Jesus today, to Jesus today. 
Listen, those of you who responded today, and there were many of you, those of you who responded online, we have some things we wanna put in your hands. There's, there's a Fresh Start Bible, just like the one I have right here on this podium, some other resources. If you responded to Jesus, would you just go after the service right out there to the Welcome Center that's right out there to your left as you're exiting, and we wanna put that in your hands. If you responded to Jesus um, online, we would love to hear from you. We wanna send you those same resources, that same Bible to just encourage you in your fresh start with the Lord. And if you're in the continental United States, you can text New Life to 30500. And if you're international, you can email newlife at revcity.com. Listen, aren't you grateful that there are more who are fighting with you than those who are against you? Man, God is so good. We've been through some battles, but we have the victory in Jesus, amen? I'm just telling you, don't let the enemy cause you to step out of the position of victory that Jesus made possible. He, he paid too high a price to, for us to kind of forget about it and allow the enemy to cause us to get into the turmoil and the, and the struggles and do it in our own strength. He made a way for us to stand strong in his victory, amen? Hey, worship team, lead us in worship one more time. And come on, let's worship the Lord maybe with that deeper revelation of the victory that we have in him today, amen? Come on, let's sing together.